The Seahawks have a number of newcomers on their rebuilt defensive line. Could an unlikely undrafted free agent crash the party for the start of the season? We'll be chatting with Jacob Sykes live from training camp here on our Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be joined for Blue Friday by my co-host, Nick Lee, who is back from being overseas in England and Wales. We are glad to have him back in the saddle again for Locked On Seahawks. And we got a big preseason game coming up tomorrow, so we'll be diving into what to watch on defense and dishing out our picks to click for preseason week number two. As always, a special thanks to all the 12s for listening in, whether you're tuning in from Las Vegas, Nevada, or overseas in Portugal. We greatly appreciate your support listening to Locked On Seahawks five days a week. Now for your lead story here on our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. Seattle has overhauled its defensive line. For the most part, the players that are on their D-line now were not on the roster last year. Even Jared Reed, who played five seasons in Seattle to start his career, he was with the Green Bay Packers last year. Draymond Jones was with the Broncos. Mike Morris is at Michigan. Cameron Young was at Mississippi State. This defensive line has been completely retooled for the most part. And with that, Nick, there's always a chance for a surprise when you have that many new pieces that are battling for roster spots. And it looks like Jacob Sykes, the undrafted rookie out of UCLA, has surfaced as that potential surprise, a guy that's getting a lot of reps with the second team. And he had a very impressive team debut against the Vikings last week with four quarterback pressures and a pressure rate north of 20%, a 96th percentile athlete defensive tackle. This guy has now become a player to keep a very close eye on in these last two preseason games. Definitely. He's one of those guys where you weren't really looking at him before the game started. But as I rewatched the game Friday morning, since it was a, a 3 a.m. kickoff for me over the U.K., um, he immediately jumped off the page. He says, oh, who's a 69 that keeps getting in the backfield? He just he kept finding ways to get back there. And, of course, it's cliche you know, when you, when you see Harvard, as you do. Um, you, you expect brains, you expect cleverness, you expect him to be one of the sharpest players on the roster. And maybe, you know, sometimes those guys come into the league like, yeah, they're really smart. Yeah, they're really, you know, they, they, they got all these brains, but the athleticism really isn't there. That is absolutely not the case with Jacob Sykes. He's got, the, he's like the whole package. He's got the brains and he's got the athleticism. And that game against the Vikings, he really stood out. He was the second highest graded pass rusher. Um, on the Seahawks, only Levi Bell was better. At, um, he had an 84.6 rating. Um, he, he was a little so-so in the run game, but still, um, just with how he he was able to get in the backfield so many times and use that athleticism, um, which is so surprising that you you wonder, like, okay, this guy's got all the smarts. He went, also got to UCLA and got to go up against, you know, Power 5 competition. And then with that with some athleticism, you wonder what happened there with him not getting drafted or he getting more buzz. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, he, this is a guy that coming out of UCLA had such impressive athletic testing. And by the way, Pro Football Focus had him as a third-team All-Pac-12 selection, even though he only started six games for the Bruins. He was a key part of their run defense, taking a big step forward last year at UCLA. And so, yeah, PFF might not have liked the run defense in this particular game against the Vikings, but I saw several plays where he held up well. And just look at the type of personnel the Seahawks are going with. Draymond Jones and Mike Morris and Mario Edwards. A lot of these guys are in that smaller variety. They're in that 280 to 285-pound range. And it looks like they're looking more for those disruptive attacking guys that can play in a 3-4. And Jacob Sykes has the athleticism and the size to be able to do that. And so I was really excited to be able to chat with him at training camp on Wednesday before practice, before the final open practice, and kind of pick his brain a little bit on football and things away from football with that degree from Harvard. Obviously, one of the most intelligent players you're going to see battling for an NFL spot. And you can certainly see that in the interview. Take a listen. I've been really excited to talk to you. I used to teach AP economics before really? I uh, got into reporting and then I saw Harvard in yes, your sir. background and then applied mathematics. Yes, so I, I want to talk about that first. Well, the experience of playing at an Ivy League school where obviously – Football is kind of on the back burner compared to, say, what you're doing in the classroom. Yeah, so, I mean, I had the wonderful opportunity to go to Harvard University to play football. You know, we like to think of it as that you're going all in on football when you're at the football facility. And then outside of that, you're going all in on school. Um, so, like you said, I got a degree in applied mathematics and economics. I uh, was very happy with that degree, you know, worked hard for it, and, and uh, hopefully it shows up in the future. Why applied mathematics and economics? I guess I didn't know you had an economics background, so now I'm extremely intrigued by that. Uh, I did apply mathematics and economics. One, actually, I started off in computer science. And uh, the computer science course, although it was fun, um, there was two classes that I have to take currently in season, and I didn't want to do that because uh, I take like 24 hours a week. Um, so I uh, switched to, so I always loved math since I was a little kid. Um, I went to apply mathematics and economics is a field that I think that like is booming right now and you know you can get some uh, lucrative opportunities in and also like you can kind of have uh, control over your career path. So I decided to get that in my uh, second year. So you were at Harvard and then you go all the way out to UCLA. That had to be a little bit of a culture shock at first making that transition. Yeah, it was a little different. I mean, already I'm from Kansas City, Missouri, so I'm in the middle of the country. For first college, I go to the East Coast, and second college, I go to the West Coast, so I just kind of... Uh, You've been everywhere. Yeah, I learned to kind of adapt and overcome and uh, kind of assimilate into different cultures and, and, and figure out from there. What was the biggest lesson that you learned playing at UCLA? Because that's obviously a big jump going from Ivy League. There's been other Harvard players that have gotten chances in the NFL. The Seahawks have a few players from there, but it's a different animal when you're playing in a Power 5 conference. Yeah, I would say... Uh, Outworking people is invaluable. You know, uh, a lot of guys are going to have more talent than you. A lot of guys are going to be more innately gifted than you. Um, but it seems like, and Coach Carroll talks about this all the time, but people who keep working consistently every day, day in and day out, they somehow find a way to stay around, you know? How did playing in a program with somebody that is coached as a head coach in the NFL, Chip Kelly, how did that prepare you for this experience, especially when, you know, if you were coming from Harvard and playing here, I, I would think that that would be a significantly different experience Absol for you. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was phenomenal. 
you know, his, uh, his background, his expertise, just knowing how to train athletes, knowing, um, getting on an NFL routine, you know, learning how to take care of your body, all this stuff is like invaluable to you when you go to the next level. How'd you feel about the way you played in your uh, first preseason game? I, I had a 22% pressure rate from you in that game. How'd you feel about it? Um, I felt like I, I had a lot of room for improvement, you know, um, Obviously, I hold myself to high standards. I want to be the best all the time. You know, everyone should go on the field thinking that they're the best player on the field at that time. And uh, I saw a lot of areas which I can improve in. Some things I did good, but um, I try to focus on how I can be better for the next game. And, you know, that game's kind of behind me now, and I just want to put all my attention on being the best version of myself in this next game. So what were you not pleased with with your performance in that game in particular? Um, what jumped out to you just just a, a lot of different areas, you know, like I, I, I want to make um, every play that comes to me, you know, uh, I don't want to play outside of my outside of my frame, but I, I want to make sure that I dominate everything that is close to me. So everything that I can control, I want to control. How does the role they have you playing in the defensive line compare to what you did at UCLA and at Harvard? And I'm, I'm not sure I, I can see any Harvard all 22. I've been trying to get my hands on it, gotcha. but I did see some of your UCLA tape. So how does it compare to what the Seahawks are asking you? Yeah, it's, it's very similar. You know, um, I like to um, – I'm, I'm confident in my versatility that I can play kind of everywhere on the line. And uh, kind of all, all the teams that I've been on so far have uh, complimented me with that, which is really good. So I can kind of play anywhere from shade to three to four to five to, you know, whatever. Uh, it's, it's more just like whenever you're in, you go in, you play hard, and you, and you handle that job assignment. You go back in, handle that next job assignment. What's, what's the toughest adjustment that you've had to make coming to the NFL, going against the offensive linemen, playing all those multiple positions? Um, that's a good question. Uh, maybe just uh, kind of the tricks of the trade, if that makes sense. The technique here is um, takes a step up from college. You know, every everybody's savvy in their technique. Everybody knows what they're doing, and just understanding that they know what they're doing. And they're going to try to show you things that you haven't seen before and that you have to be ready for is kind of what it is. And I'm going to finish off with this. What has it been like getting to play with Sharon Reed, Draymond Jones, two guys that yeah. are not necessarily the, the big-bodied guys in the middle, but they have the athleticism. They play with similar styles to you. How has that benefited you having players like that have been in the league for a long time? It's, it's invaluable. You know, seeing them every day, seeing how they move, how they operate. It's like a, it's like a free class of how to be the best version of me every day. Um, so I try to take everything they say to heart, take everything they say as like an extension of myself and kind of uh, learn how to play like them and uh, continue the legacy. You know? Coming up next, we are going to be transitioning to what to watch on defense when the Seahawks battle the Cowboys in the second preseason game. We'll get to that here in a moment on our Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks, which is brought your way by LinkedIn Jobs. These, these days, every new potential hire can feel like high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. When I was a site manager, LinkedIn Jobs might go to to post writing positions to land top candidates, and they made the process easy and seamless. All you have to do is create your job post and then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs help you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined for today's show. Back in the United States, in the mainland, Nick Lee. Glad to have him back on board. Special thanks to all the 12, as always, for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And for our everydayers out there, be looking forward to a late-night post-game edition coming up tomorrow after Seahawks-Cowboys. I'll be dishing out my game balls, three up, three down, and looking at key storylines coming out of the second preseason game at Lumen Field, you won't want to miss it. Let's talk about that game coming up on Saturday night at Lumen Field. Seahawks, Cowboys, maybe a little bit of a preview for a regular season game. Pete Carroll was downplaying that yesterday because they play each other late in the season. So that does change things a little bit. If it was like week two matchup, then this would maybe be a bit more intriguing from that perspective. But we're going to be looking at defense today. We talked offense yesterday. What to watch on the defensive side of the football for the Seahawks in this game. Nick, I'm going to dish you the mic here first. What's the first thing you're going to be watching closely for the Seahawks on defense going up against a Dallas offense that's got plenty of talent at every level on that offense? Well, they, they call him Captain Zero or Agent Zero, I guess. I don't remember which one, but uh, Captain Zero himself, Devin Bush, is, is, is he ready for his encore? Because I thought he played very, very well. In that first game, um, 87.3 pro football focus grade and 29 snaps. And even with Jordan Brooks uh, on the mend and on the way back, and Bobby Wagner, of course, there as well, where we, it, it's not looking like they're going to need him to be at the forefront of the, you know, the, the week one, every every day kind of off-ball linebacker that maybe they, they intended him on being before, um, which I think is a good thing overall. And when they signed Devin Bush, it kind of looked like he might have been a hedge for in case – uh, Brooks wasn't back in time, but now that Brooks is looking to be back, I'm really interested to see what kind of role that Devin Bush kind of carves out. Is he special teams? Um, certainly, he provides the depth at linebacker as well. And and I'll, w- one thing I do like about his game, and it, he does have a lot of holes, and he's not perfect. Among those with at least 80 tackles last season, he was he had the sixth lowest missed tackle rate last year. He just does not miss tackles. And he, he's a great tackler when he actually can get in the right spot and make the play. Um, so I really want to, to see that, you know, string two good games together because he had a really solid effort uh, against the Vikings. I'd like to see him build on that and either establish himself as, as squarely in the mix for, you know, right behind the first team for, for line, off-ball linebacker or, you know, just carving himself out a role either on the defense, different packages or on special teams. But he looks to be make, making an effort Uh, to make some noise and not only make this team, but make some noise doing it. Yeah, and this is an important game for him because even though Jordan Brooks has been activated from the pup list, he's just doing walkthroughs right now. And Pete Carroll has been non-committal about him being ready for week one. If Devin Bush can go out and put together multiple solid preseason games, Seattle may not feel like they need to rush Jordan Brooks back out into the lineup. And I think that's a good thing. You want to make sure that Jordan Brooks is all the way back before you throw him into the starting lineup. If Devin Bush is playing well, you don't have as much reason to do that early in the season. You feel like you can get by. And he had a couple really fun plays in that preseason opener, including near the goal line. I just looked how decisive he was with his run fits and, and filling gaps coming up and bashing a running back two yards in the backfield. Jarek Reed II was there with him in, in tag team. But I saw some really good physicality, and we saw the athleticism, something that's been questioned the last couple of years since he tore his ACL. So he's certainly a player that I'm going to be watching closely too. But my first priority is going to be the pass rushers in this game on the outside because the Cowboys, I mentioned this on yesterday's episode on the defensive line, but it's the same way on their offensive line. 
they have done such a good job of developing players along the offensive line. And they've got really good depth at tackle. And some of those guys have had to play in regular season games because Tyron Smith's been banged up. A couple of their other guys have been banged up and they've had to play some of these players and they've gotten experience. So I do think that this is a good litmus test, probably a better one than last week was even with the Vikings playing a lot of their starters on the offensive line for a few series. I think the backups for the Cowboys are going to be a very solid challenge for these pass rushers. So I want to see what does Derek Hall do for an encore in this game? Cause he didn't have the stat line, but he was very disruptive last week in his debut was all over the quarterback and then Levi Bell. Can he follow up that six pressure performance and get after the quarterback Tyreek Smith? Can we see more consistency? There's been flashes, but then you'll see entire drives where he's out there and just doesn't seem like he's getting anything done. He is going to need to step up his game with how well Levi Bell is playing and boy, Mafe I expect is going to play quite a few snaps again at the beginning of this game as he continues to ascend and develop. So I'm looking to watch those players because I just think for a preseason game, at least this is going to be pretty good competition against a solid Cowboys offensive line. I want to see if those players can build off a really solid first game. I thought the edge rushers were excellent for the most part against the Minnesota Vikings, but can you do it against a Cowboys team where the foundation of that football team is truly the offensive and defensive line, and that's where they've prioritized things. I want to see how these edge rushers are able to control the line of scrimmage against the run and get after the quarterback, whether it's Dak Prescott early in the game, uh, other QBs rotating in. I want to see him getting some pressure disrupting the pocket, collapsing the pocket. Can they get it done for a second straight week? If they do, I'm going to continue to be encouraged by what I've seen from that group. Yeah, you make a good point that the, the Cowboys will probably present a bit of a better, you know, overall depth challenge um, in the trenches than, than the Vikings did. Um, my second point, my, my second thing to watch for on defense is kind of the who's on first, who's on nose. <laughs> um, I know Jaron Reed um, seems to be taking the, the reps of practice at nose. Um, so that's probably the first and easiest answer there. And he's not, you know, hasn't really naturally been a true, you know, zero, you know, nose guard for most of his career. Um, but behind him, they just added Matthew Cotell, um, a, I think it was Lakes High School product, if I'm not mistaken, a local guy. Um, they did also wave Anthony Montalvo and, and uh, Robert Cooper that were in there as well. And Cameron Young still not practicing as far as I know. Um, and of course, Brian Monet and Austin Fialu still on the, on the pup list. So um, at nose, it's, it's a lot of, you know, the, you know, who, who's you need to like name badges on your, on your, uh, on your chest. Like, hello, my name is Matthew Gotell. Who, you know, nice to meet you. I mean, it's just a lot of that behind Jaron Reed at nose tackle. So I'm going to be watching that, you know, pretty intently because that that's another big, big question mark of this team is the interior of the defensive line, of course, the run defense. So both of my points kind of add up to how does the run defense, you know, do pretty much for an encore. They did pretty well in that first game at, um, holding the Vikings to 3.2 yards per carry. Um, so with Devin Bush's performance and also just that nose tackle, who's there, uh, who gets what snaps, you know, Jaron Reed, what does he look like um, if he plays uh, a good amount there at nose as well? You know, what, what does the rotation look like and, and how, they, how are they looking? Because they're still kind of buying time uh, for Cameron Young and Brian Monet to get back, of course. So those are the assumed, you know, nose tackle one and two truly um, when they get back, you know, we'll see what Jaron Reed does. But I, that's I got some questions about that position. So that's another thing I'm going to be be, be watching for on, on Saturday. 
Yeah, we need to see who's going to emerge there behind Jaron Reed, the expected starter at the nose tackle position, because Cameron Young is still trying to work back from a calf injury. He has not practiced this week. He's not going to be playing in this game, which stinks. You really would like to see the fourth rounder get reps in these preseason games, but he's not going to be out there. They just released Montalvo. I feel like this is the one position, Nick. It's kind of like 2010 when John Schneider Pete Carroll first got here and there was like a billion transactions. That has been what's going on here. It's been like the Simpsons grandpa GIF where they come in and they drop the hat off and then run out of the restaurant real quick. Yeah, that's what it's felt like at the nose tackle position for the Seahawks. So I want to see, is it going to be somebody like a Miles Adam? I mean, Jacob Sykes is smaller, but he has played some nose tackle during training camp. So is it going to be one of those guys that's going to end up emerging but they don't have that big body guy, especially with Cameron Young at 320 pounds not being available to play in this game. So, yeah, that is still a position that is concerning. Even if you're happy with Jaron Reed playing that spot, you got to hope he stays healthy the entire season right now because who's going to be the backup, especially with Brian Monet looking like he is still a long way away from getting back. For me, the other key for me to watch in this game, I'm going to be looking closely at all the corners to see where everything fits in, but. I want to see if there's some revealing in terms of how those competitions are playing out just with the way rotations are. And the reason I'm saying this, Nick, in yesterday's practice, it was the mostly walkthrough oriented session. So take it with a grain of salt. And at the same time, Mike Jackson got all the first team reps at left cornerback. Trey Brown was out Wednesday. He was back yesterday, but he was just with the second team defense. And that said something to me, at least going into this game, that I feel like Mike Jackson right now has that position. Now, Carroll gave a caveat at the end of practice in his press conference, making it clear, hey, we want to get Devin Witherspoon back out there because they would still like to see him compete for that job. But I think with where things are at right now, it feels like Mike Jackson, the incumbent, is starting to get some momentum in that left cornerback position against Trey Brown. And in the safety spot, they dodged a bullet with Jonathan Sutherland. It looked like he had a bad injury at the end of Wednesday's practice, but he was back out there running around fine yesterday. So luckily he's okay. They haven't gotten Joey Blunt back yet. Jarek Reed, the second, he gave a mixed review on his play. There's been flashes, but he's been inconsistent. Can you get more consistency from him in this football game? And Kobe Bryant's going to be playing some safety in this game as well. So I want to see – if the depth chart, the way that they handle their rotation tomorrow, the second preseason game is usually the most telling in that regard. You're going to probably see more starters than any other game. I want to see if it's revealing about those competitions at the corner and safety positions. And I'm really intrigued to see how that plays out. And of course, there's going to be a lot on the line for those players, especially Trey Brown didn't have a great preseason opener. Can you play better this week against the Cowboys? And maybe you can push yourself back into that conversation to start in week one. But it does feel like Mike Jackson has been the more consistent player, and he's got a stronghold on that job right now. In safety position, hey, Jarek Reed, Jonathan Sutherland is there. He's ready to push for your job. You both might not be on this team, so you might be battling for one spot, especially if you can get Jamal Adams back. So there's a lot going on in that secondary. And I just want to see how the rotation plays out because I think in the second preseason game that that can be a lot more revealing than in the first exhibition contest. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined by Nick Lee back in the mainland after a lengthy trip in the UK. We're glad to have him back. A special thanks to all the 12s as always for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Every day or 
Make sure you're tuning in tomorrow night. Yes, it's going to be a kind of late episode, but who cares? Get some late night Seahawks. We'll be talking post game with game balls, and we'll be looking at three up, three down coming out of the second preseason game against the Dallas Cowboys. You won't want to miss it. Let's talk picks to click now, Nick, going into this game. And I believe this is the first time that you and I this year have gotten to do picks to click. This is normally our segment that we do on Friday. But looking at the players that we expect to have a big game against the Dallas Cowboys. And let's start on the offensive side of the football. And I know that you had one player that you really wanted to pick for this one. But unfortunately, we do not know if Matt Landers is even going to dress. And it stinks because he had a great practice Wednesday. And then unfortunately, Suffered a quad injury. We don't know the severity of that. He didn't practice yesterday. Maybe with a day off, he'll be able to play tomorrow. But since he's probably not going to play, I know that you've gone a little bit different direction here. Yeah, different receiver that's got plenty of traits as well. So, yeah, I wanted to go Matt Landers if, if he didn't, uh, if, if, he, if he was able to go. But if not, Derek Young. Um, it feels like fans and maybe the coaches a little bit are kind of like that, that, uh, that meme where it's the guy looking at it, the girl walking away with the girlfriend. And the the old girlfriend is Derek Young. Like, what the heck? And the new girls are the you know the, the new girlfriend. The new girl walking away is the Matt Landers and Jake Bobo train. Um, you know, everyone's excited about those two, especially Jake Bobo, um, which I understand. But Derek Young's like, hey, what about me? And I, I think this could be a game where it's a little bit of hey, you, don't don't forget about me quite yet. <laughs> um, I, you know, that little nugget of since two thousand Pro Football Reference, only three receivers. Standing six foot three, weighing at least 220 pounds, ran a 4-4-4-40, jumped 37 inches or higher, and with a sub 690 three cone. And it's Julio Jones, Tyrone Calico, and Miles Boykin. And you know, Derek Young's right in that right in that area. I mean, he's got the traits, he's got the size, just all the things you want that intrigue you about receivers in the modern day of football. Um, so I, I want to see that on display on Saturday. So I, I'm gonna call my shot a little bit and think that he makes some noise. Um, certainly, especially if if Matt Landers can't go, I think that will be to Tariq Young's benefit. Yeah, and I think Young is probably on this roster now that he's healthy. I'm pretty confident that he's going to be one of your receivers. But this is a chance for him to solidify that number four spot that Jake Bobo is making such a push for right now. And the thing about Tariq Young, he does a lot of things that Jake Bobo is not going to be doing. Like Jake Bobo is not going to go in the backfield and play fullback like Derek Young did last year. That's just not going to happen. And Derek Young is an outstanding special teams player. We've seen some flashes from Bobo in that preseason opener where he did some things in special teams, but there are going to be some limitations there that Derek Young does not have. He is going to be able to get downfield and make tackles. He's going to be able to fly all over the place as a gunner. There's just advantages that he has with that athletic ability and his size. He's, he's a thicker-bodied guy guy than what uh, Jake Bobo is. So this is a great opportunity for him. I'm going to go in the backfield because this is the preseason and with Wayne Talapapa being released yesterday and Kenny McIntosh isn't going to be playing this game. I doubt we're going to see Ken Walker the third either. So this is going to be the Sir Roderick Thompson Jr. show. And I feel like he should be knighted with a name like that, Sir Roderick. But I like the way this kid runs the football. And what a lot of people don't know, he was a three-time All-Big 12 selection at Texas Tech. So this guy had a pretty good college football career, went undrafted, and he's got kind of a weird build for running back. He's a little bit bigger in his upper body, and then he's got kind of lean legs. But this guy runs 
kind of upright, but he gallops and he, he makes up ground quicker than you expect. And there's some physicality to his game. I've liked what I've seen from him in his brief time with the Seahawks. And I just don't expect that Charbonnet is going to get a ton of action. He'll play some, but Bryant Kovac's been dealing with an injury, probably not playing this game. I mean, I expect Sir Roger Thompson, they are going to be riding him for most of this game. So he's just going to get a lot of opportunities. And I really think he's going to have a chance to have an impressive game. And maybe he can play his way into a practice squad slot because you know depth at running back is crucial with the injuries that happen at that position. Let's flip the script now, Nick, to the defensive side of the football. And this was a lot tougher for me. Like I was riding Sir Roger Thompson Jr. from the outset with the situation in the backfield. But you look at the defensive side, and there's a number of different players that you could choose here that would make sense as players that have a lot on the line that have a chance to have a big game against the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I want to see how Kobe Bryant does with his continued development as a safety um, can he truly be an option at safety or is this just because, you know, they don't really know where else to put him with possibly Devin Witherspoon taking that nickel spot. Um, I like the former idea. <laughs> I like that they, they're kind of developing him as that Swiss army knife and he did play well. He had a 71.3 run grade, run defense grade, I should say, in that game against the Vikings played pretty well. Um, he's a competitor. He's got that dog in him, you know, from the onset, we knew that, that uh, Kobe Bryant had a good mentality you know, he kind of bears the mentality of the name of the name he bears, Kobe Bryant, a little bit of that um, kind of, you know, tough dog mentality. And I, I expect he's going to take this, you know, a little bit of a switch up well. And, and I, I expect him to thrive in this spot. So I want to see a little bit more of him building on that, getting more reps in practice, getting more comfortable in a new position and seeing how that manifests itself um, on defense. And I think my, this is my pick to click. I think it's, it's going to go pretty well. I just I like his chances just with his mentality and his athleticism, I like his chances to do well in that spot. This was one that I was torn on because we just mentioned Jarek Reed a few moments ago, and I thought he played pretty well against the Vikings overall. And it was a nice jump from an up-and-down training camp. There's been a few times where you could tell that he was his head was spinning a little bit because he's playing a lot of different positions. He's trying to learn all of them, and there's been a few assignment mishaps. But it feels like he's starting to get his feet underneath him. So – that was the name that I was going to roll with, but I got to go with the hot hand here. I mentioned the pass rushers earlier, and I just feel like every practice and every game, the mock game, he was dominant. The the uh, the first preseason game, he was, in my opinion, the most dominant player on either side of the football for the Seahawks. And I'm going to keep rolling with Levi Bell because I just think that this is a game, and he was talking about it. Those of you that listened to yesterday's show when we interviewed him, he was talking about how he was so amped up at the beginning of his first NFL game that he had to really slow things down. And once he did that, he was borderline unblockable the last two and a half quarters. Those butterflies are not going to be an issue as much in this second game. He's going to know what to expect. So I think that this is a chance for him to come right out of the gate. And I think he's going to get some opportunities like he did last week to play fairly early in this game because the Seahawks are intrigued. You can tell by the way that they're mixing him into the rotation. He's going to get some special team snaps, but I would not be surprised at all if he's able to get back there for another sack or two with the way that he's playing. He could have had two sacks last week if they would have called the hold, the blatant hold that the tackle had after he blew past him. This kid has impressed me throughout training camp and the preseason. And so I'm going to go with a hot hand and maybe this is the week that he cools off a little bit, but I'm going to hedge my bets that he's going to have another big game, getting after it, pinning his ears back, playing a physical, aggressive, tenacious brand of football 
that he loves to play off the edge. This is going to be a big game for him to potentially play his way onto the right side of the bubble for the Seahawks to make this 53-man roster. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Nick at NickLee51. Subscribe and follow Locked on Seahawks on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcast to ensure you don't miss a single episode. Coming up tomorrow, it's going to be a late show with it being a primetime night game on Saturday night, but I'm going to have our usual post-game festivities, game balls, three up, three down, and key storylines coming out of Seahawks Cowboys. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in and enjoy the rest of your Blue Friday. Go Hawks.